Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. And uh, just a bit of an introduction before we get going. So, here it comes. There are three questions. So the first is, describe your current emotional state coming into tonight. Right, and uh, I think it's anonymous, so you can be honest. Um, the second question is: To what extent have you been able to maintain or build relationships during lockdown? And the third one is: Current level of digital fatigue. Um, yes, Zoom is great, but too much Zoom can be not so great. So let us know. It should be showing up on your screens right about now. I'll give you a minute or so to to respond to each of the three questions. And then we'll share the results. Okay, we've got 50% of people responded. It'd be great to hear from the other 50%, 70%, 75%, uh, only a few more. Give you another 10 or so seconds. All right, and five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Hey, let's look at the results. So thinking about the, the space we find ourselves in from a sort of an emotional, mental space, um, most people are feeling pretty confident at the moment, which is great. Uh, 38% of people, um, almost as many are saying it's, uh, it's been a rough few weeks. It has. It has. Uh, Yes, it has. I'm also, I'm also feeling it at the moment. Um, the second question says, to what extent have you been able to maintain or build relationships during this time of lockdown and social distancing? Um, the most people, most people are saying, just over 50% are saying, I've been able to maintain relationships well so far. Um, also quite a few, um, 33%, I've struggled to maintain relationships. Um, and some people have been feeling like relationships are stronger than before. Great. Looking forward to you sharing your, your best practices with us on this call. And then the last one, digital fatigue. Okay, most people seem to be sort of in the middle. I guess it goes up or down. Some days we, uh, we can embrace all the digital tools and virtual connection. Um, other days you might feel like... So getting a bit much. I've been uh, converting some of my Zoom meetings into good old-fashioned phone voice calls. Uh, it just feels like a bit of a break, um, and that's been good. Okay, great. Thank you very much for, for sharing with us um, how you're coming into the session. Wonderful to hear from you. And um, before we jump into it, I guess uh, if anyone who is, jo is joining us from without the, the Shofar community, um, you're super welcome. Um, great to have you. Uh, the two people that will uh, be leading the conversation tonight is myself and Henny Swart. Um, I have been part of the show for community for a long time. I uh, love the church. I'm also a director at a consulting company called BTS. And, um, and I'm joined by Henny, who's the senior pastor for the two Joba congregations for Randberg and Santon. And uh, yeah, it's always lovely exploring relevant topics with you, Henny. Hi, Stefan. Thank you very much. I also look forward to, to hear everything that you have to share with us. Right. Cool. Okay. So, jumping right into it, I think it's worth reflecting just on the, the context we find ourselves in at the moment. And um, 
And I was listening to a clip on a on a, on LinkedIn the other night where where two kind of thought leaders in America was was talking about um, the impacts of of COVID and lockdown on different um, spaces of of the US. And the one person said, I think, which was quite interesting, is that you know in many ways COVID is is not so much a change agent as it is a change accelerator. And um, in many ways there were already pre-existing trends in place. There were already kind of, you know, like forces that were shaping the world. And in many ways, COVID has just accelerated or amplified trends that were already in place. Um, there are many worth speaking about. I think a couple that we want to call out tonight is um, digital transformation and adoption. Right? I don't know, some of you may have seen this, this, uh, this, uh, sort of picture on, on, on LinkedIn or other platforms where it says, you know, who was the greatest champion in your, in your company's digital transformation? Was it A, your CEO? Was it B, your chief technical officer or chief information officer? Or C, was it the coronavirus, right? And it, um, it just kind of jolted that whole, that whole move on the curve to adopting digital technology, becoming much more comfortable, um, optimizing, optimizing the use of technology, and, um, and, and therefore a lot of things becoming much more virtual and remote. I think another trend that has been accelerated is, is a rise in, in mental health issues and challenges. And um, we had been seeing that already, you know, before the pandemic broke out. Um, there were many more cases of recorded, recorded cases of depression and anxiety and, uh, and related illnesses. Um, people suffering from really, really tough mental challenges. And, um, you know, maybe in some ways it's because we just got better at documenting those and, and sharing information around that and, and removing some of, some of the stigma around mental health. Um, but, but certainly that has been on the rise. And if you think about the impact of COVID and the fact that we are socially distanced from each other, um, we cut off from physical connection um, that many of us relied on for, um, you know, to fill many of our tanks, I guess. Um, and also the, the anxiety that, is, that, that can be a byproduct of the intense uncertainty and unpredictability that we find ourselves in. We're not sure what our businesses, our country might look like in three to six months. Uh, there are many possible different scenarios and different people have different views about that. Um, but it's clear that no one is quite sure um, how things will how things will pan out, and we sort of need to ready ourselves for many different possible scenarios in the future. Um, and all of that can add to feelings of depression and anxiety um, and other mental health challenges. Um, a third one, I think, is 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 just the eradication of of decades of economic growth. Right. And, um, and, and the world as a whole, I mean, in South Africa, we've had some of our own challenges, um, you know, the last 10 or so years, I guess. But as a whole, the, 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 the world, the, you know, the, the global economy was doing relatively well after the 2008 crash and recovering from that and growing. Um, but what has happened as a, as a result of lockdown and as a result of all the disruption is that a lot of the wealth that was created during that time has also been destroyed now. Um, and it's, it's, it's leading many economies into recession. Um, it's pushing many people who managed to break out of the cycle of poverty back into poverty. 
Um, unemployment will, you know, have, has already begun to rise quite significantly and, and will continue to do so. Um, and that's a very big challenge, especially in a country for like ours, where we, um, we already had high levels of poverty and unemployment. And, um, and COVID has just accelerated many of these, of these trends and the context that we find ourselves in. And um, I guess in this context, you know, considering some of those trends and some of those shaping forces around us, um, it leads to many people becoming a little bit more skeptical and, and potentially negative and guarded and frustrated, which is, which is not a great state of mind, a state of being, a space to be in for building trust. It actually makes it quite difficult to build trust if we find ourselves in that space of being triggered and being frustrated and you know, being anxious about certain things and confused, getting mixed signals. You know, it seems like that stuff is ambiguous. Um, and so it, it, in, in some ways, it becomes more difficult to build trust and, and, and meaningful relationships. But on the other hand, we need that now more than ever. We ourselves, like personally, we, we need a deeper level of trust. We need more meaningful connection in relationships just, just to function as human beings. We were made for that in many ways. And, um, and, uh, and for our own you know, kind of mental and, and, and cognitive and social health, um, we, we need that. But also the people that we love and we care for need that. We need trusted, meaningful relationships. If you think about work, you know, whether you're in the corporate environment or in education or in the medical field, we are working together in teams to get things done. And, and trust is such a critical thing in teams um, to get things done in an engaged and a productive way. And it's a challenge when you don't have trust or when, it, when trust becomes strained um, and there's pressure on trust to, to maintain that level of engagement and productivity. Um, and then more broadly than that as well, you know, not just personally, not just those closest to us and work colleagues, but also more broadly in our communities and our society, we need trust and um, an emotional connection a little bit more. And even though the lockdown restrictions are being lifted, we, um, you know, we are still relying on technology and, and digital tools to a large extent to, to communicate with each other. Um, you know, virtual and digital engagement is still the order of the day and will be for the foreseeable future. And even when things begin to stabilize a little bit and we, we begin to settle into a new norm, um, we know that that new norm will, will look different to what it was before. And, um, and many people will, will opt, they will prefer for certain kinds of interactions, certain kinds of meetings to continue to connect remotely and virtually. Um, and so it's, I guess it's important for us to, to explore how we build relationship and deepen trust within that context. But enough uh, from me. So we'd love to hear from you. We're going to allocate you into a couple of breakout rooms. Okay, welcome back everybody. Um, hope you had good discussions. Love to hear some of the highlights coming out of your conversations. Um, I'm going to put up a whiteboard and then I'm going to ask you um, to using the annotate function um, to write on my screen, okay? So if you are not familiar with annotate, um, you'll go to your Zoom toolbar. There should be an icon that says annotate. Click on that icon and then within the annotate function, click on text. Um, 
you the default is a pen that you draw with so you'll have to by hand draw the letters which is quite hard so make sure to click annotate and then click text and then perhaps for the for those of you who were tasked with mm -hmm. taking notes um, in your breakout rooms please let us know challenges and opportunities what were some of the highlights coming out of your conversations all right we've got a first mover productive productivity over personality in meetings okay thank you for that what else less room for micromanaging yeah absolutely now the micromanagers are having a especially difficult time um under lockdown can no longer uh look over other people's shoulders although some of them are trying um seeing some of the challenges or people resisting change yes absolutely moving to a um moving to a virtual world is a is a bit of a change and some will resist that at least initially screen time people are tired um missing dimensions of communication like body language facial expressions yes there's a so that seems to be confirmed here less access to body language let's group those two together oh what is what even is a virtual hug how do you do that someone needs to be creative and, and help us figure that out people think you're always available for work well aren't you joking yes boundaries becomes a challenge in a virtual world the eyes are the windows to the soul okay i'll put that with body language as well thank you um people are more intentional about relationship easier to connect to people that are far away absolutely yeah working much longer hours let's group those ones together more family time is that a challenge <laughs> was that meant to be put under challenges or was that an opportunity <laughs> it can be quite challenging to have more family time so i guess it could go under under either um missing personal connection points yeah more distractions any other opportunities that you identified we have uh, we have four responses under opportunities um anything else that you saw as an opportunity to be leveraged to be cap capitalized in this new world ability to meet new people anytime anywhere in the world i'd love to hear from the person who um who made the comment about productivity over personality in meetings it, it sounds like there's something that something that sits behind that that um that might be um, valuable context to to get do you mind just coming off mute and and um, just elaborating on that statement there was there was philip in, in our group i'm not sure whether he's available Rieta, is, is philip there uh, I, I think he had to yeah to yes, okay i mean i'm here uh, sorry um yeah so um my comment was just based around the fact that usually um in meetings people can get away with a good personality 
um, just to say that everything's okay and the work is on its way. Um, so they can talk their self out of difficult situations where at the moment um, your true work ethic and quality really shows. So if you give good work quality, um, that's a way to build trust at the moment. So instead of uh, talking your way out of a situation, you actually need to deliver. And that's a big opportunity for people that actually delivers good quality work to now say, um, it's not talk, I can show you. Nice. 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 Thanks, um, Philip. That reminds me of, of something I read somewhere that, that spoke about a shift from driving activity to delivering outcomes or delivering output. And so now people then, you know, it's, it's, it's less about, and again, this is a trend that was already in place, but it's just been accelerated that um, it's less about when you work or how you work or how long you work, but it's about what you produce. That's what's visible at the end of the day. Um, not when you clocked in and when you clocked out. Um, so great, thanks for that. Um, cool, thank you very much. I think very insightful points. Um, we see on the challenges side, you know, missing that being able to pick up on micro expressions and and body language cues and those kind of things. Um, screen time is very real fatigue, right? Um, boundaries so people assuming you are able and willing to work at any point in any time um, and perhaps they don't have line of sight of all the other things that you're involved with um, on an opportunity side i'm loving all the opportunities so less room for micromanaging yes um, people are more intentional so so people can be there is an opportunity to be more intentional about relationship right um, we can connect with people far away less travel um, an interesting comment about vulnerability, and I think that's, I think that's true. You know, I think maybe some are finding it more difficult to be vulnerable, but some people are actually embracing a higher level of um, vulnerability. And um, I recently spoke with a mentor of mine who's a, psych a, a clinical psychologist and an executive coach, and he was saying the coaching fraternity is observing something called. Um, the safety of the screen and they've just been sharing their experiences and their observations with each other and it seems like in many of their coaching conversations they feel like they're actually getting to the issues at hand more quickly people are more willing to share and in a sense the, the screen narrows your view and eliminates some distractions potentially um, but there's also a sense of anonymity so maybe I'm, I'm willing to go deeper more quickly um, but it's not true for everyone um, and so it's about how do you create that, how do you create that atmosphere when connecting virtually? Um, people want to talk, more access to online learning, ability to meet new people. Thank you. Okay, great. Wonderful insights. Um, this is good context um, and a good, a good foundation for us to continue the rest of the conversation. And we'll revisit some of these points as we go. We uh, heard a story from um, Stephen Mulholland recently where... It was just a super encouraging story of how he had to work with someone for the first time. Um, they didn't have a pre-existing relationship really, but had to kind of quickly build trust during this period of lockdown to get some things done. Um, and uh, yeah, just want to give him an opportunity to share that, that story with us. So, so over to you, Stephen. Thank you, um, Stefan. Yes. Um, the, so the, the backdrop of the story was um, <clears throat> shortly before lockdown, the, um, 
the Randberg uh, congregation did a bit of a reshuffle in the, the small group structure. And um, I was asked to partner up with a couple of people, two of whom I knew and had longstanding and regular engagements with. And one, Henny LaRue, who I really hadn't had much interaction or relationship with at all. And the default when, when I first was assigned to him was I phoned him up and said, hey, can we go for a cup of coffee? And without realizing it, it was precisely that idea of being able to meet physically and chat. And um, before we had the opportunity to do that, the lockdown was announced and, and suddenly the cat was thrown amongst the pigeons. And we had to deal with one another without any of those sort of traditional ways of assessing one another and building relationship with one another. And I spoke to Andre. I said, I'm like, how am I going to do this? I, I don't know this guy from a bar of soap. And, and Andre's advice was just build relationship with him. And um, Classic Andre, eh? Yeah, classic Andre. And and it, it actually was it was it was really good because it, it, the moment I decided not to be intimidated by this new environment and, and, and actually allow it to grow organically, I noticed that you know you hear this about somebody that has maybe lost one of their senses, a person perhaps is blind, and they hear a whole lot better than you know people that have all the stimulus. And so in, in doing this. I was forced really just to listen and, 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 um, and, 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 and Henny's got this wonderful way of, um, you know, sometimes you're in a, in a, in a video environment and you wonder if the person's reading emails or, you know, doing something else, you're not so sure that they're engaging. But the thing that I noticed is his authenticity. And, and I would encourage people to do that. He, ha he has this amazing way to be present in the conversation, to let you know that he's unambiguously with you. And it's that constructive authenticity where he's vulnerably sharing, which, which really kind of got me motivated. And the other thing that, that, that I really admired about the way he went about it was he had the courage to be honest about the th things that he was thinking of. And I think that we as humans, without realizing it, have a default to tell people what they want to hear rather than tell them what they need to hear. And, and all of a sudden, I was confronted with a guy where just naturally his authenticity, his, his genuineness, his, his engagement and lack of distraction, which is something I think we need to guard against. When I mirrored that with what he was saying, I realized he was prepared to the biblical speak the truth in love, um, absolutely had me, had me trusting him. And on reflection, when I spoke to him about it um, and asked him what his side of the relationship was or why he felt that we'd become so effective in working together, you know, he said that he, he, he liked the fact that, that he was listened to and he felt that, that having that relationship became an anchor for him. And instead of us going in with just a, a specific objective to try and fix stuff that didn't necessarily need fixing, we were able to find certain cornerstones that were really positive about the task we had been assigned. We were able to, to come up with a number of things that were kind of like when things got a bit difficult or we both felt a little bit overwhelmed, we could go back to what was working. We could go back to what was good and then leverage off that again. And um, the last thing that I think was really important was just approaching it with a with a with a mindset that was towards working communally to find a problem that that was not a a, a top down dictated to approach but rather something where really 
through listening, through developing relationship, through being honest about what was happening, the solutions started to come. And um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I, I hadn't thought about it until you asked me to come and do this test me. But when I look back on it, it seems so natural and so normal. And I actually think sometimes in, in our normal environment, when this is over, we need to go back to doing some of that, um, being a little bit more direct rather than just sort of, you know, manicuring ourselves in the way we come across. Sure. Lovely, Steve. Stephen, thank you. I think there's so many, so many good nuggets, um, takeaways. And, and all of this, like you said, you know, having to, st to start building from a base of zero in a virtual world, um, you know, already in lockdown and then having to start to begin to build rapport and, and trust with each other. Um, so it's super encouraging. A few things that stand out for me is you spoke about authenticity um, and, and letting ourselves be seen and being real. Spoke about presence. So the, you had the experience that he was there and listening and taking in what you were saying and contributing meaningfully. Um, I think a highlight is courage to, to honestly air your thoughts and that want to hear versus need to hear. Um, he felt listened to, so creating the experience that you are hearing what's being said, internalizing that, and um, and not just waiting for an opportunity to say something as well, but actually responding to what the other person is saying. Mm -hmm. And then uh, and then the point about working side by side as kind of equal team members in in tackling problems and finding solutions is uh, is wonderful. So thanks for that, Stephen. Um, I think Henny that that ties in quite nicely with you know Henny has quite a being a, a, an engineer in his previous life, um, he's got an equation for trust. And uh, so thinking about like some of, the, some of the factors that contribute to trust in a relationship, and I think many of the things Stephen is saying is, um, is, 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 is um, reinforcing that. So any, um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about um, what some of those, those subsets of trust is? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, um, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen, for for sharing with us. I um, I really love what you said. I, I especially like what you said about, you know, it, it's it's um, you know, it's it's like someone, uh, you know, where one of your senses have been taken away and the others are and the other senses are amplified. I think I can relate to that because I had an eye operation, um, you know, just after school, and for two weeks I was blind, uh, and you know. You, you feel, in a sense, lost at first because you've lost that, that one sense. But then your other senses start to kick in on overdrive. Um, and, and I think, I think um, you know, that's actually a wonderful idea and just, you know, concept that, that actually we're that adaptable. You know, that, that even, you know, I almost want to say our digital senses can, can be amplified and sharpened at this time. Um, and, and we can actually strengthen uh, in, our, in, in some of our relational abilities. Uh, through this time. I find that very encouraging. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to just share my screen with you because I just want to, um, you know, draw a few pictures and um, maybe an equation or so, like uh, Steph said, uh, typical engineer. So yeah, my equation for trust is that trust has um, sort of three elements. It's, it's obviously a simplified equation in many ways. Um, I can virtually hear people taking out their notebooks and uh, getting ready to make <laughs> notes. So this is the good stuff, guys. Pen's ready. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> so um, trust, um, you know, is a character times competence 
times care. And what, what I mean by that is, um, and, I, and I was glad to hear, I listened to a, a webinar um, that Steph helped present a while ago, and, and uh, he mentioned, and I, I've been sharing this sort of equation for decades now, probably 20 odd years. And, and I heard him say that, that Stephen Covey says that, you know, trust is, is character and competence. I add obviously the, the care one. So I, I feel very validated in my opinion, you know, that a heavyweight like, Steve, like Stephen Covey would, would sort of agree with me. Um, but I mean, what, what Stephen said actually um, shows this, this uh, equation or elements of this equation very powerfully. Uh, we intuitively as people know that, that you cannot trust someone um, who doesn't have character. And with character, we mean moral excellence and firmness. In other words, someone who has the integrity that um, what they, they, they always try and act in a way that is congruent with their beliefs and their moral values. What you see is what you get. Um, they, 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 are, they are not pretentious. They, they, they are not putting on a show. They are not only putting their best foot forward, but they're trying at least to act with integrity. Uh, obviously, the opposite of, of integrity is corruption, uh, where people pretend and, and sort of put a best foot forward, but behind the scenes, they, they, they don't have good intentions and they, they, don't, um, they don't want to benefit someone. Um, so, so character is that, that ability to, to not be a, a, you know, hypocritical, uh, but, but to, to be honest, to, be, to have integrity, to act in line with our values, and um, to, to, to show the real you without, without, without the mask. And, and, and obviously that's, that's trustworthy. If, if, if someone shows you who they really are and they are honest about their values and they really try and stick to their values, even when, it, when, it, when, it, um, when it's costly to them to stick to their values, um, then, then we know intuitively that we can trust them. If someone is a, is a con man, who presents or projects one kind of values, but then actually lives another kind of values. We, we know intuitively that, that we shouldn't trust uh, people like that. Um, so this, that's, that's, that's character. Then in terms of competence, and obviously in, in terms of character, you can, if, if someone has character, you can trust their, uh, their promise. Um, you can trust their commitments. And, and actually, if you think about it, in all kinds of relationship and work, we make commitments towards one another. They might not be explicit promises as in I promise to do this, but, but you know, even stuff like deadlines and agreements to, to, make it, to do certain things, those are basically promises. And the, the pers a person's character determines the extent to which we can trust their promise. Then there's competence. Um, and competence is just um, having sufficient knowledge, skill, and strength to, to do what you've committed to do or to do your duty. Uh, you know, that, that's my definition of, of competence. So it's, in other words, it's, it's the ability to do something. So, um, you know, someone might really like you and really want to serve you, um, but but if, if, if they don't have the ability that you need, they don't have the competence that you need, then, then you cannot trust them in, in that area. So for instance, you know, even though I, I love Stefan and I think he's, he's a great guy and I, I really want, want um, him to do well in life, he should not trust me to service his car. 
Um, not because I'm a bad person, but just because I don't have the competence to do that. I, I'm not a mechanic. I'm not an auto mechanic. I don't have the ability to service his car. I'll, I'll probably break it. I'll probably do, do, do more damage to his car than actually fix it. Um, and so in other words, if someone has competence, then you can trust, um, uh, you can, sorry, you can, you can sort of, you can trust their power. Ooh, let me just do that again. Um, their, their ability. Um, so it's important when someone makes a commitment, even if someone, um, and obviously if someone has character, they're not going to commit themselves. They're not going to promise to do something that they don't have the power to deliver. So, so you'll also find that people who have strong character tend to undercommit and overdeliver. They they will not commit to be able to do something that they are, that they know they cannot do, uh, that they don't have the power to do. And then the the third um, element, caring, is just um, you know, does someone actually love you? Does someone actually care about you? Because someone can have character and competence, but use it. Um, out of other motives, motives that are not as noble and as pure as love, and, and actually because they care about you. They might actually use their character and their competence to do things for you because they want to manipulate you or because they want to place you in their debt so that at some stage they can recall that debt uh, and, and you owe them a favor and, and you have to do something uh, in return for them. And And we intuitively know that we cannot trust someone who doesn't care about us, who doesn't love us, who doesn't have our best interest um, at heart, who doesn't have loving intentions towards us. Uh, one of my favorite definitions of love um, is by um, a theologian called Bruce Waltke, and he says, uh, to love people, when you love people, you, you are willing to disadvantage yourself in order to advantage the people that you love. Um, if you love people, then you are, are willing to disadvantage yourself in order to advantage the people that you love. So you love and caring seeks the best interest of the object of love. Um, and people who love us, who have our best interest at heart, um, even if that best interest is not what we want at that moment. In fact, we, we sort of know that, you know, we test love by, you know, is someone willing to do what's best for me, even if I, that's not what I want, you know, the best, friends and the people who love us best are the people who do that so if, if, if someone cares about you you can trust the um the person now here i just want to say that if you want to in this equation calculate the trust then you take each of these character um you take character you take competence and you take care as a fraction in other words a, a, a fraction between zero and one one being perfect and zero being in, completely uh, imperfect um, so you say, um, how much can I trust someone? Okay, how much character do they have? Okay, okay say 0 0.8. Um, how much competence do they have in this area? Well, they're very competent. Let's say 0 0.9. Um, and how much care do they have? Um, well, above average, but not that great. Say 0 0.7. Um, and then you calculate that, and, and that should give you sort of a fraction of how much someone loves you. So 0 0.8 times 0.9 times 0 0.7 equals 0 0.504. So, so that, that's, I don't think the number matters so much. What matters is that none of us as human beings are perfect in our character. None of us can score a full one. 
Now, none of us can score a full one in our competence in every area or in any area for that matter. And none of us can score a full one in our caring um, either. None of us loves perfectly. Um, so we, we all, you know, fall short. We're human. We're, we're fallible. We fall short uh, in each of these areas. Um, but we can also grow in each of these areas. And the first step to growing is to admitting where we are. Because the only way you can grow is to know where you are and where you want to be. And then you can plot the line between where you are and where you want to be. And you can, you can have a growth plan. So I just want to ask you just for a moment, just 30 or so seconds, write down, uh, you know, if you've written down character, competence, and care, write down the fraction where you think you are. How much character, you know, and you're not going to share it with anyone. So, so try and be brutally honest with yourself. Uh, you know, how would you rate your character? How would you rate your competence? And how would you rate your care for other people? And, and that should give you an idea of how much other people can trust you, how trustworthy you are. So I'm just going to give you a, uh, 30 seconds to a minute to, to just think about that and write that down. Stefan, while people are writing down their answers, do you maybe have a, a comment or two on, on, on what I shared so far? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just thinking on the writing. You know, some of us, some of us are super critical on ourselves and others, uh, we tend to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. And, um, we, you know, we judge others on their actions, but ourselves on our intentions. Um, so maybe it's also useful to think about how would the people you've interacted with recently write you on, on each of these areas, whether that be colleagues on a project or a, a family member you're sharing the house with during lockdown? Um, you know, what, what would they say? How are you doing in terms of character, competence and care? The other thought I'm having is, um, it, just, it just reminds me of, um, there's a guy called Adam Grant, who's uh, he's an industrial and organizational psychologist in the US. Um, he's actually a professor at Wharton. He's a bit of a celebrity author and, and so on. And he, you know, he says that, that trust is um, competence, um, integrity, and benevolence. And I think that overlaps a lot with what you're saying. I think it further, not just, not just as yeah. well, but also Grant um, confirms this, you know, competence is the same. But then he, where you say character, he says integrity, you know, that you actually have a certain set of moral standards that you believe and that you consistently apply um, and then in the care mm. part he, he speaks about benevolence which says you know which basically means that you have positive intent that you have mm. good intentions you know you're acting in good faith um, so i think i think that's a, another interesting sort of layer to, to add mm. yeah Yeah, exactly. And another important thing um, that I just want to mention here, I just actually thought of it now, is people, the, the, the amount that people trust you is not based on your actual character, competence, and care, but your perceived character, mm -hmm. competence, and care. Um, mm -hmm. In other words, let me, let me just take the care part in a, in a digital environment that we find ourselves in. One of the things that we mentioned is that it's, it's more difficult to show care um, because we cannot see people's body language so well uh, because we're limited um, by, 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 the, by the virtual medium 
that, that we're communicating through. Um, and therefore, um, we actually have to work harder to, to, to convey this care digitally, if I can put it that way. Because it's, it's the perceived care. It's not just the care, it's the perceived care. Um, David Augsburger um, said, let me just see if I can get the quote here. Um, I, 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 Twitter, uh, I send quotes on Twitter to, as sort of a way to, rem to remember them. He says, being listened to is so close to being loved that most people cannot tell the difference. Oh, being listened yeah. to is so close to being loved that most people cannot tell the difference. But people cannot see. A lot of the way we communicate that we're listening to someone through eye contact, through body language, through gestures, through facial expressions, a lot of that is diminished over the virtual realm uh, media that we, we're currently forced to use mostly. So one of the questions, one of the ways that, that you can build more trust is to say, how can I, over a virtual medium, continue to show um, care by continuing to show people that I'm actually listening to them? And um, there's, a, there's sort of a, a rule on, on, in stage acting that when you're acting on stage, because people, the audience is a bit further away, you have to overact. You have to overexpress yourself. And, and maybe some of that um, holds true for a digital medium as well. Maybe we have to, because um, people see less of our body language and our cues that we're actually listening intently and empathically to them, we, we need to emphasize those a bit more so that people really feel listened to and therefore cared for. Yeah. I think that's right. We've got a, a bit of a, a tongue-in-cheek comment here from um, Daniel Yuhu. He says, can, can we rather um, average the numbers rather than multiply them? <laughs> I think it gives you a higher score at the end of the day. So I think that's probably not a bad strategy. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, the whole thing of, of an equation is actually a bit tongue-in-cheek. Um, so... Um, <laughs> um, let me just maybe share before I hand over to, to Steph again, um, just uh, a scripture. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed at how often the Bible understands us better often than we understand ourselves and understand human dynamics and, and human relationships so well. In, mm. in Luke, um, Luke 16, verse 10, uh, it says the following. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. And um, based on that scripture, um, you know, I always used to think um, the Bible clearly says that love should be unconditional uh, and that God's love for us is unconditional and that we should love unconditionally, even our enemies. Um, so I thought initially that, Therefore, trust is also unconditional. But this scripture showed me, no, trust is not unconditional. There, there is some extent to which trust is earned. And I, I used to, um, for a long time, sort of go by, uh, you know, re recently by the, by the, the maxim that um, trust is earned. But um, once again, a, a conversation that Stefan had in, in, in one of his previous webinars sort of sparked something with me where I realized that's not exactly what that text says. It says whoever can be trusted in very little can also be uh, trusted in much. In other words, if you trusted in very little, then you're already trusted. So there's a level of trust. And then if you are trustworthy in the very little that you're already trusted with, then more will be entrusted to you. Then more can be entrusted to you. And um, so I realized I should put a, a more in front of the trust. So more trust 
is earned. But there's a, you know, there's a, there's sort of a initial uh, trust uh, in, into which you must make an investment. And I was, you, you take a risk because before you know someone well enough to know whether they have the, the, um, the character, the competence and the care, you have to risk and make an investment of trust into them, trust them with a little. And then with that little that you've entrusted them, they will act in such a way that they either earn more trust and, and you grow in your trust for them or they diminish your, your trust. They, they violate your trust and, and you actually lose trust. Uh, in them and, and, and trust them less. So there's a there's sort of an initial level of trust and then there's a progressive um, trust that that is then earned. Uh, but that initial one is an investment and then the progressive one is 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 earned. Um, and, and I think it's helpful to think about these two levels of trust. When when we want to start relationships, it's necessary to make that initial investment, that risky investment of trust. Uh, and give people the opportunity to prove themselves mm. even more trustworthy. And then, and, and I think to some extent we do this naturally where we don't entrust everything about ourselves to people initially, but we, we give them a bit of trust. And then as they prove trustworthy, we give them more and more and more trust until they become really deeply trusted friends. Mm. Um, one challenge I have, and this is maybe a question I, I can throw your way, Stefan, is, you know, since we're all in these areas, character, competence, and care, none of us score perfectly. You know, it's none of us is perfectly trustworthy. How can we, um, how can we uh, get someone to trust us knowing that we are not perfectly trustworthy? And how can we trust other people knowing that they are not perfectly trustworthy? Oh, I, well, I think, I think trust with, with between human beings, you know, um, us human beings who are, you know, no one's perfect and everyone's on a journey. Um, tr trust is inherently a risky business. You, there is an element of risk to, to placing your trust in someone because there is the risk that they will disappoint you. And, um, and I think what you're saying is so true. You know, you know, it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. Do you, do you, do you first, you know, does someone have to prove themselves trustworthy in order for you to, entrust something to them or do you provide the opportunity for them to prove themselves by entrusting something to them and then you know they can it's an opportunity for them to prove themselves and i think the answer is both you know right it's a it's a little bit of responsibility and then you then you perform you know you, you meet expectations and then if expectations are met or exceeded then there's a little bit more responsibility and so trust grows incrementally Another thought to your question mm. is, I think it, 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 just, it just helps to, and this word came up earlier, authenticity, right? Um, and I think with authenticity goes vulnerability and humility, which is essentially an acknowledgement that I'm a human being, you know, I'm a person and I'm going to try my best. You know, these are my competencies. These are my morals that I hold dear to and I'm going to try my best to be consistent in them. And I generally do care. Sometimes I'm selfish and I'm at, at moments might be tempted to, to put my own interest in, in front of yours. But I do care, you know, and I do love and I generally do try to, to spend self-interest and, and, and put the other person, like you said, you know, their, uh, myself be disadvantaged for the sake of their advantage. Um, but to acknowledge that mm. and to be transparent and to say, hey, you know, mm. um, 
I'm human. I'm, I'm on a journey. Um, so let's let's grow and trust together. Um, I think also worth mentioning that I think trust is built and tested in moments. Um, you know, every day in, uh, in in minor moments, you know, as we just go about doing things, um, we observe each other and we, we either grow in trust or sometimes we break trust. But I think some moments matter more than others. And I think it's 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 useful to think about which which are the moments that that most significantly or, or as a, have a disproportional um, effect on how much trust we place in someone else or to what extent our own trustworthiness is displayed. And, um, and I think I'd like to turn it back to, to, to the participants calling in again um, to everyone else and to, to yeah. allocate you into two breakout rooms again and, and to ask you to reflect um, again on two things. Um, the first is, what are the moments that matter um, in a digital and a virtual world when it comes to building trust? And the second one is how, how do you show up in those moments um, to build trust through character, competence, and, and care? So, you know, with virtual and digital as our backdrop, as our context, what are the moments that matter in building trust? And how do you show up in those moments um, to build trust. So again, about eight minutes or so, um, we're gonna maybe quickly, by now you know each other, so perhaps quickly just brainstorm and agree on two or three or four critical moments in a, in a digital or a virtual world. And then secondly, how do we show up in those moments? Um, and I think a lot, of, a lot of insightful things have already been shared, so maybe it's an opportunity for you to build on that, bring your own experience and perspectives. Um, so I'm going to allocate you into those breakout rooms again and uh, have fun. Be prepared to share back again um, in an annotate way. And, uh, and then after we've received your, we've debriefed, we'll begin to close the session. Okay. Uh, if you need any assistance while you're in the rooms, um, feel free to, you can, you can invite the host to come into the room or you can ask for help and click the ask for help button. Um, so I'm, I'm, uh, ready to jump in if you need me. All right, so everyone should have received uh, an invitation. So please go ahead and accept that invitation and join your breakout rooms. Uh, any, if you want, you can um, you can choose to not join the breakout room and and stay in the in the main room. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Um, oh, it's wonderful to see some of the videos on. So lucky to see your faces. Um, cool. So same, same, uh, same process. We would like to hear from you um, what you discussed. And so on the um, on the screen here, you can annotate. Just let me present here. Um, try to maybe sort of do them in the same line, or maybe draw a line between the moment that you identified and then how we show up in that moment to, to build trust. Um, but yes, finger on the, on the, on the button, on the keyboard and uh, let us go. Annotate text. Tell us what were the highlights from your conversation. Moments that matter in building trust in a virtual world and how we show up in those moments to build trust. Um, thinking about character and competence and care.
Good. Okay, so maybe an important moment is new communications. Um, and we're announcing something or we're sharing sharing new information. Um, I, I would agree with that. Issues. Um, oh, it's disappeared. Issues using the platform or bad connection. Um, people are more intense in their opinions and conflict on virtual media. Yeah. Hey, remain committed and consistent when you communicate. Nice. Measured response during virtual conflict. Oh, easier said than done, hey, but I think very true. Um, sometimes it's, we can feel ourselves being triggered as, as something is going on virtually and, um, and to not just react, but to take a moment um, and think about the, the implications of how we respond. Prompt responses, right? Very cool. Um, yeah, it's harder to show you are really listening. I think that's probably true when we're interacting virtually. Being patient and recognizing that the tool can be a barrier. Yeah. Overexpressing cues that you are listening. Very nice. That can also get a bit, I think there's a balance there, right? If you like too much, overly keen, then uh, that might also be a little bit awkward. But I'm sure that's not what you mean. Being intentional to win, trying to get to know an individual. Absolutely. Discern when people are being vulnerable. I think that's quite an important one. Um, it, it may be, it might be easier to miss that in a virtual world when someone is actually being quite brave in what they're sharing and they, they might feel a little bit exposed um, or there's just a very real moment um, to be, to, you know, I guess, diligently and intentionally look up that, to pick up on that, right? Time matters to people having many digital meetings. Yes. So stick to time. Um, and I've seen, I've, I've seen an interesting trend. People seem to be um, where previously they had hour long meetings. Um, people are reverting to 45 minute meetings um, or when it wasn't a 30 minute meeting, maybe now it, it, it can be a 20 or a 25 minute meeting, which allows for a bit of a break um, in between all those meetings. Right. <clears throat> Cool, thank you very much um, for these responses. I think they're quite useful. We'll, uh, we'll save them and we'll share them with you. Um, if you're interested, you can contact um, the officers if you wanna revisit some of these responses. Um, I think many of these speak to a, a quite a simple model that we, that we, we use um, in our company, which is called the, the see, hear, speak model. Um, so if you think about those three monkeys, you know, see no evil, um, hear no evil, speak no evil, um, and it's basically about just thinking, and I think we've heard some of that in what Henny shared and Stephen's testimony um, earlier, but thinking about how do we create an experience for someone else of being seen, 
virtually. So I see you, I connect you, I acknowledge you, I'm present with you. Um, to help someone feel heard, um, that we are actively listening, we're asking good questions, we're showing with our expressions that we are taking in what you're saying and we're validating what they're sharing. Um, and then speaking with honesty and compassion or with the truth in love, like, like Stephen said, um, can actually go a long way. And um, it's possible in a virtual environment, maybe while it's still new to us, it's just about being a little bit more deliberate and intentional about communicating that yourself and also picking up from cues from other people. Um, but cool, thanks, very relevant moments and, um, and how we show up in those. So we'll, we'll certainly capture that. Um, I'm gonna hand over to Henny to um, just share some final reflections and some things for us to consider as we, as we begin to close out the session. So over to you, Henny. Thanks, Stefan. Um, yeah, just in, in closing, um, I, I mentioned that um, that that uh, um, equation. I'll just write it uh, here again. Um, ooh, I wonder if I can write. Oh, there we go. Okay. So, uh, let me stop sharing any, and then you maybe it's easier if you share your screen. Yes, let me share my screen. Um, I say that that uh, trust equals. Um, character uh, times or plus uh, the competence uh, plus care um, but I, I want to actually add an, an, another one sort of a, um, a, a fourth one uh, which I want to call capacity um, and what I mean by that um, it is sort of a coefficient that that sort of affects all the others because different people have different capacities to trust and our capacity to trust has a lot to do with um, how we've been raised the kind of family we grew up in the kind of um, childhood we have our experiences with trust growing up those formative experiences in the beginning years especially um, they, they say that um, your mother is the first person you really learn to trust and and if you if you don't learn to trust your mother if you struggle to to trust your mother or if, if you know like in some cases your mother is not completely trustworthy um and and breaks trust with you then it 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 inhabit it inhibits your capacity your ability to trust anyone and you you struggle with trust issues and you have a um a low uh, trust capacity um and what that leads to is that, you know, even if someone is, you know, completely trustworthy in terms of the character, completely trustworthy in terms of their competence, and completely trustworthy in terms of their care, um, if you have a, a trust, uh, I almost want to say coefficient or capacity that is low, say only 0.6, then, then it, it really inhibits your ability to trust people. Um, and that trust cap capacity is lowered when it happens when we're very vulnerable and we are repeatedly our trust is violated uh, and that actually lowers our trust capacity but the opposite can also now, now maybe i can just mention a practical reason why that is important uh, number one it's important because we need to understand ourselves and that sometimes our struggles to trust other people 
doesn't say it's not so much because they are not trustworthy it's because we have been hurt we've been i almost want to say damaged we've we've been harmed in our capacity to trust um and and therefore we struggle to trust other people but the the flip side of the coin is also true sometimes other people struggle to trust us not because we are not trustworthy and when they struggle to trust us they're not necessarily saying that we are not trustworthy but they maybe just have a very low trust capacity because they've um their trust has been violated many times by by significant people in their lives and, and their capacity to trust has been diminished and therefore you know when, when we're trying to win someone's trust we should not um only show them our character our competence and our care but we should minister to them in this area of their capacity and we should respect the fact that maybe they have a low capacity and 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 approach them with a lot of compassion and empathy uh, and encourage them maybe to grow in the capacity to trust uh, show compassion for it, show understanding for it but then also encouragement um and and be intentional because that capacity can actually grow and one of the ways in which it can grow is um like i said the only person who scores full marks in character competence and care is god himself he, he scores 100% in terms of character uh, his character is perfect uh, not only does he not lie he cannot lie he cannot um fail to act in line with his values it's impossible for god to be hypocritical <laughs> um so more uh, also in terms of his competence it's it's perfect you know there is nothing he cannot do um nothing is impossible to him nothing is too difficult to for him things that are completely impossible for us are entirely possible to god but also i mean his his care um how much he cares for us is is actually astounding and i think the the cross of jesus where where god came down in the form of his son and died for us on the cross as um as second uh, peter says the righteous for the unrighteous um you know he he died for us and loved us while we were still unlovely while we were still sinners while we um did not love him he loved us uh, and that shows a tremendous care that that boggles the mind you know in in um, one of my favorite verses in in jeremiah i can't remember the exact um uh, verse but somewhere in jeremiah 30 or 31 somewhere around there it it says god says i've loved you with an everlasting love and i've drawn you with my loving kindness um and and that really speaks to my heart um and and shows me that you know god loved me so much he was willing to you know disadvantage jesus was willing to disadvantage himself in the ultimate way um not only physically dying but but hanging there as an innocent sufferer and saying my god my god why have you forsaken me he was willing to suffer cosmic um forsakenness and rejection by the father so that we never have to um and and when we realize that you know when we experience that kind of love um it actually heals our capacity when we experience that kind of character competence and care it heals our capacity to trust others um in other words you know our, our capacity to trust people who we know are not like us are not perfectly trustworthy um is it grows when we have one person and that person obviously that 
the only person who qualifies for that is God. One person who is completely 100% trustworthy. Um, and, and we need, we all need such a person in our lives that we know uh, we can trust unreservedly without holding anything back, with whom we can be ourselves completely and know that we are loved. Uh, but not only that, uh, that God has, has the courage and the character to, he loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. And he's powerful enough to actually change us and help us grow to become more like him. And when we have someone like that in our lives, when we have God in our lives through Jesus Christ, then it massively increases our capacity to trust other people because um, we, 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 we are able to take the risk because even if other people let us down, there's one person in our life who will never let us down and who is literally willing to die um, so we can trust, trust him unreservedly. So, so I just also want to encourage you and I want to leave you with that encouragement sort of as, as sort of a, a closing thought. Um, you know, if you, like me, you struggle to, to trust others because your capacity for trust has been diminished and, and in a sense damaged. Turn to God. Turn to the, um, to the one who can be, the only one who can be completely trusted. Turn to Jesus and see on the cross how trustworthy he is, how, how loving, um, you know, so loving that he was willing to give his life. How how competent he's the only sinless one that could give a sinless life and how full of character he was willing to, to keep his promise to the father, to save us even at, at the cost of his life. Um, and let that grow your slowly, but surely grow your capacity to trust others as well. Um, it, it, it's so liberating. It's so empowering to know that you are loved and accepted by the one who matters most. And that empowers you to also um, trust other people more. Mm. Steph, you want to add to that in closing? Sure. No, I just want to uh, marinate in that for a bit. <laughs> I don't actually... Um, I see Andre commented in the chat and he said, shoo, which um, for a man of few words is, is saying quite a lot. Um, but I, I just think what you're saying is so profound and so true. And, uh, and two, two takeaways for me, and I think two things for all of us to, um, to reflect on and, and just engage God around is, is to ask him, you know, where has our trust capacity been compromised? You know, maybe due to past experiences, um, how has our capacity to trust been diminished? And to allow him into those spaces and to allow him to show how he is different and how his faithfulness and his trustworthiness even covers those those hurts and those disappointments um you know so that we can we can risk in trusting others um but also find security in in in, in deepening our, our trust in him um so yeah oh, beautiful thanks thank you Amy. yeah will you close for us in prayer then um steph please sure yeah, Father, we just, um, we thank you, God, for this time, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are not limited to physical space during this time of virtual and social distancing. I've even just been thinking about um, Philip, who was transported um, in the spirit to a different physical space, and how, God, you're not limited to the confines around us, but you are present everywhere. 
And I thank you that you are present now, Lord, with every person that's that's dialing in, God. And um, mm-hmm. and you, Lord. oh, Lord, we we bring those areas of our lives, Father God, where our capacity to trust has been compromised, Father God. And we present it to you, Father God, and we invite you in, Holy Spirit, to 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 spill into those spaces with with streams mm-hmm. of living water to bring newness, to bring restoration, Lord. Um, when we see you, Father God, we walk in an experience of your trustworthiness, Lord. We find healing, Lord. And I pray that over every person on this call, and um, God, that you would also strengthen us through your spirit, Lord, and through the, the fruit of the spirit in our lives um, to grow in trustworthiness, Lord, so that we may be entrusted with more, God, um, to, to see your kingdom come here on the earth, Lord. Um, we bless you, Lord, as the ultimate, the ultimate one um, that we place our trust in, Father, um, in yes. the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.